Let's Talk with Crystal Kay. So with continuing my series on young people making a difference and making an impact in their communities, today we'll be talking to a young man who's an author, an entrepreneur, and a financial advisor. He's originally from Lugal, South Carolina, and at an early age, he understood the impact that poor financial decisions and habits can have on your life. He's the, he's the author of The 30 Day Difference, Make It a Habit and Make It Happen. He is currently the principal and owner of the Merrick Financial Group in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he is a creative and strategic financial professional who is committed to helping his clients improve their financial situations. He offers services and products, um, including retirement planning, investment reviews, just to name a few. He's very active in the community, conducting financial workshops all along the East Coast. He's also appeared on WLTX News 19's Money Saving Mondays, Watchbox 57 Good Day Columbia, Charlotte's Access Channel 21 Before the Hype, The Minority's Eyes, Most Interesting Minorities of 2014, and the SC Black Pages 40 Under 40 Class of 2015. Welcome, Russell Stewart. So how are you? I'm good, and yourself? I'm good, I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for doing this interview with me first and foremost. Thank you for having me. Of course. The first thing that I wanted to mention before I forget is the other weekend I attended one of your financial seminars. And I just wanna give you some praise and say that it was definitely awesome. I enjoyed it, I learned a lot. Um, so anybody that has the opportunity to see this guy, Russell Stewart, uh, at one of his workshops, one of his trainings, one of his seminars, Definitely attend. Um, bring your notepad, bring your tablet, bring your bring your phone, whatever it is that you need to take notes because you're definitely going to learn something and it's definitely going to be beneficial. So thank you for that. No problem. No problem. All right. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is your book. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about this book. It's called The 30 Day Difference. Make it a habit and make it happen. Okay. So. So it's a 30 day exercise book where it teaches you how to build self-confidence, take mm -hmm. action and uh, think positive over the course of 30 days. So it actually encourages you to start a goal, um, to create a goal for yourself and work every day towards that goal. Because studies show that it takes 21 days to make something a habit. Um, but of course, 30 had a little bit of ring to it, so I right. used 30 days, but yeah. So what it does is at the end of 30 days, if you didn't achieve your goal, you actually build a habit towards achieving that goal. Okay, so what made you write the book? What made you decide to put out a book? Actually, it's something that I do weekly uh, for myself, and I actually put it together over the course of, of, of a 30-day um, activity. The, mm -hmm. the original thing that happened was I was supposed to be on WLTX um, for my first book, mm -hmm. uh, Life, Liberty, and Pursuit of Happiness, the, the Guide to Achieving Your American Dream. Mm -hmm. But my editor told me, he was like, yo, it's not going to be ready. So I already committed to having a book to be on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, so what happened was I had to hurry up, go back to the drawing board, and I knew that was something that I wanted to do, and I, I always implemented that for myself in January and June, going with 30 days. Um, just cleanse, fast, um, slash goal setting to get the year started and then get the middle of the year kicking off for the rest of the year. So was this kind of <clears> like a like a New Year's resolution type thing? or no, what was it actually it? just, it was birth in urgency to replace the book that okay, was already. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how hard was the process of getting the book out, um, going through your editor? Tell me about that process. Well. <clears throat> the whole process of writing a book, period. The whole process of writing a book is, number one, knowing what do you want to talk about, mm -hmm. all right? So 
Develop those chapter titles that you want. What I did was I started out, I knew I wanted 20 titles or 20 mm -hmm. chapters. So I came up with 25 names, picked out the best 20 uh, chapters that I, that I wanted to go with. Then for each chapter, I broke down to uh, 15 talking points. So I came up with 20 talking points and picked out the best 15. And out of those 15 talking points, I picked three emphasis of each talking point that I wanted to focus on. So what I did was, and I would encourage anybody that wants to write a book, is what I did was I, I sat down, I hand, matter of fact, I wrote handwritten the first book and that book. Um, but what happens is, write the book, don't do any editing, just complete the book, and then go back and, and edit. What's interesting is I did hear something about that um, with somebody else that I know that's writing the book. He said that if you write down all of your thoughts in like one minute, don't and like write down as many thoughts as you can right. and then go back and edit it later because everything will be flowing and it's mm -hmm. a process and you want to get everything out. Literally for each talking point in my chapter, I set a timer on my phone for two minutes and yeah. I just wrote like I was talking to someone. And then when that two minutes was up, I moved to the next talking point, wrote for two minutes and moved to the next talking point. I did that throughout the whole course of the book. And then once it was completed, because most books don't get published because they're not completed. Mm -hmm. But if, as long as you have raw material, you can always go back and revamp it. But if you continuously edit, I, I don't like that, you'll never complete it. Okay. Um, are there any more books to come? I know you said that. Well, I got to get the Life, Liberty, Pursuit of Happiness um, <clears throat> book published. I got to go back and revamp some things because, you know, being a financial advisor, you can't make blanket recommendations for everyone. So I got to make sure that I'm only educating people about specific products versus giving recommendations That book, Life, Liberty, Pursuit of Happiness, The Guide to Achieving Your American Dream, it talks about the state in where America is right now, that how the American dream is a nightmare, um, and how to financially get your mind prepared. Then it talks about some financial strategies in the middle of the book of how to prepare. And on the end, it talks about entrepreneurship, such as taking a passion, turning it into an income. Um, and also, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, at least you know what's going on in the economy. You have the tools and the, and the strategies that you can implement for yourself so that you can make the best financial decisions throughout your careers versus being an entrepreneur. So it's a little book, a book for everybody. I'm ready for that book. <laughs> yeah, it's been done since, I think I finished it in 2014, but I've been going back slowly, piecing it back together. Okay. So how do people get this book? Where can they find it? You can find that book on Amazon. Um, that's the only place that it's published right now is through Amazon because I self-publish through Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you can Google it um, from Amazon and I believe Barnes and Nobles as well online. Online, yeah. okay. Okay, so online, Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. All right, so from author to principal and owner of Merit Financial Group, Correct. I need to know how this got started and what exactly you do. So take whichever question you want first. Okay. So what I do is come up with customized strategies for either business owners, individuals, families, or professional athletes to help them identify and achieve their financial goals in the form of whether it's insurance planning, estate planning, um, disability income, or retirement investment strategies. Okay. So um, anything that has to do with the dollar, we can kind of pretty much do it, um, except accounting. Oh. We don't do any accounting. Accounting kind of deals with the past financial planning deals to the future. Um, so the Merrick Financial Group, how that came along was when I got into the industry, number one, I got into the industry because nobody around me knew anything about savings or investing. All I ever heard was take your money and put it in your bank. 
But for what we see is whatever's in the bank, that's all we really see. We never really seen the growth. So I knew that money had the ability to double, but nobody around me knew anything about it. Um, so I got into the industry, uh, sat down with a guy. Uh, when I bought my first house, I sat down with a guy for like 30 minutes. He taught me more about money than I learned my whole entire life. And he offered me the opportunity to go into business with him. So I started out into the industry part-time. Uh, I was fully licensed, had my securities license to do mutual fund trading, um, insurance planning, and disability planning. And because I was working for the Social Security Administration at the time. Really liked it. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to take this leap of faith and go into it full time. So I moved to Charleston, South Carolina because I was in Baltimore at the time. And I knew if I didn't know everybody back home that I really did know. So I wanted to come back and help the people that I knew and that I cared about the most. Um, so I moved over to Principal Financial Group where I learned group, um, group benefits, how to implement group benefits in a business and 401k plans. Um, it was there. I didn't really identify with the culture of the office, so I kind of hit a glass ceiling. What do you mean? Uh, well, number one, I was the only African-American with the company in the state of South Carolina. Financial advisors, especially minorities, we make up 0.5% of the financial industry. So it was a challenge. Um, didn't really, not necessarily was figuring it or didn't get along. I just didn't get the tools and the resources that I needed. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what, if, if, if I figured this out by myself, then I can do this by myself right. um, so that's when I started the Merrick Financial Group and uh, Merrick the name Merrick came from John Merrick who was an entrepreneur uh, he was a barber in Durham North Carolina that helped start North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company which is the oldest black Wall Street company still in existence what, to today if anybody ever heard of black Wall Street yes but that's the only uh, company that survived that, that that time period of black entrepreneurship and black people thriving during that, that moment. So um, I knew I wanted to start recruiting teams and start building a, a culture and I didn't want to put, you know, Stuart Financial Group because I don't want people to feel like they're working for me. I want them to feel like they're working with me. Right. So the name Merrick um, stood out and had a meaning and it was powerful and I thought, I thought it would get people's attention. Okay, so take me back just a little bit. <laughs> now, what did you go to school for? I went to Claflin University and started out with elementary education because mm -hmm. I wanted to be an educator. Right. I um, was playing basketball and I was like, all right, I hit a prerequisite. Uh, I met all my classes, my prerequisite classes, but I didn't pass the PLT and the practice. So I couldn't take any more classes. Mm -hmm. So I had to hurry up and change my major to get out of school and turn into uh, human performance and recreation. But once I graduated Claflin University, I taught school at North Middle High for one semester. One semester? One Why? Semester. <laughs> um, because the government called and a better opportunity but I enjoyed that one semester uh, teaching uh, children with mild disabilities at the resource class. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that you learned from teaching that translate over to what you're doing now right? Absolutely. Especially people working up under you? Absolutely. Uh, the thing that teaching allows you to do is take a difficult message or lesson and make it simple for others to understand. So I think that I the, 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 strat, the, the, the biggest strength or talent that I have is to take a difficult financial language and make it layman's terms for the, mm -hmm. the main you know Main Street people to understand. So I like to say that I'm the interpreter from Wall Street to Main Street. Because sometimes simple is better. Simple um, is better. Definitely. I, I did, I want to ask you, okay, so just giving give me a scenario here or giving okay. you a scenario. So let's say I'm interested in coming to you. I've got some questions about my finances. I come into your office. Then what do we do? What, how, walk me through it. All right. So the way my process works is, mm -hmm. number one, we have to find out what is a good mutual fit. So we interview one another. Okay. Most people think that they just interview to find 
financial advisor, but as a financial advisor, and if I'm going to assume the risk, I need to make sure that it works out for both of us because we have a vested interest in each other. So that's the first step to make sure that we're on the same page and that we can work together. So what kind of questions are we asking? Um, well, how dedicated on, on a scale of one to 10, what do you rate yourself to, to really want to be financially independent? Um, do you understand that you have to work as hard just as I do? Just as hard as I have to work. Um, we're responsible for meeting with each other once a year. We're gonna hold each other accountable. Are you willing to do that? And are we willing to make tough decisions even if it doesn't feel good? So we only check in once a year? Is that how this works? Or? Most, most cases, my retirees, my clients that are at retirement, uh, usually we stay out in touch with each other throughout the year, but we sit down probably about twice a year because uh, we have to make sure that their money is not running out. In the accumulation part, it's, it's really simple. Um, we just review and make sure that you're staying on track yearly. With my retirees, we gotta make sure that the strategy that we have in place is make sure that their money is lasting for the rest of their life and they're not losing any money um, or running out of money. That's usually the three bands for strategy. Okay. Um, so I have a four-step process to, to, to kind of say. So number one is identifying your goals and objectives. Um, the, I Write this know. down. <laughs> I need <laughs> to know where you are where you're trying to go, all right? So the next one is collecting data to form a plan. That's when I ask you to bring some financial documents. Uh, if we need to do a budget, we'll do a budget to see what your cash flow is. What kind of documents are we talking? We're talking Bank about statements. A 401k statements, bank statements, if you have um, other investment statements, mm -hmm. um, all your insurance papers. Um, it's kind of for yourself to have all that stuff in one place anyway. Um, so it, it works out for both of us. I get a bird's eye view of your situation and you kind of know where you are and where everything is. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next one is implementing the plan. So once <clears throat> we get those statements, I come back with the plan and we start implementing the strategies that I recommend. Um, I, I tell my clients that what I recommend and what you feel comfortable with has to be in the middle. So you don't have to do what I say or go away. It's a happy medium between the two because you have to feel comfortable and it has to meet the strategies that, that I believe is best for you. And then last but not least is monitoring the plan. So making sure that we're staying on track. So uh, goals and objectives, uh, forming the plan, implementing the plan, and monitoring the plan. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been really effective for uh, me and my clients. Okay. All right, so I wanted, I took some notes from your seminar Good. the other weekend. Good, I'm gonna quiz you. You gonna quiz, okay. Yeah. All right, I'm ready, okay. let's go. What, what, what's something that you learned that you didn't know walking what was the one thing that stood out to you the most? Um, the one thing that stood out the most. Uh, da, 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 da. There's a couple things. You had this quote that I really liked that I wrote down. You said you were talking about retirement, and you mm -hmm. said that you have to live off the money and not on the money. Yes. And I definitely want you to explain that, and then I'll answer the rest of my questions on my quiz because okay. I'm going to get 100. But, okay. okay. So what happens is when we're talking about investment strategies or having some type of money in an investment, you don't want to live off your principal investment. What your principal investment is, is whatever monies that you put in, you don't want to live on it. You want to live off the interest on that money. Right. So even though let's just say you have a million dollars invested, all right? If you had it in a savings account and you needed $100,000 a year, you take that $100,000 out of your million, you now drop down to 900000 and so forth and so forth. That's living on the money. But if we have your million dollars invested in the market, and let's just say this year for hypotheticals, it got a 10% rate of return. 
10% of a million is 100,000. Mm -hmm. So if you needed that $100,000 income, your principal investment is still a million. You're just living off the interest. So living off the money and not on it. Okay, another thing that stood out to me um, that I didn't know, and I'm still a little foggy on it. You remember when you were talking about um, being tax diversified? Correct. And you said that you can either get taxed up front, you can get taxed later, or you can get taxed never. Right. Um, I mean, it seems like a simple concept, but I was kind of like, well, if we have the option to never get taxed, why wouldn't we choose that? Why, like, explain that to me just a little bit more in simple terms, please. Well, in most cases, uh, taxes is something that we really don't think about. When we think about taxes, we just think about filing what we paid and getting a refund. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about saving for the future, um, you do have those three tax positions. You have um, the tax position where you're taxed now, where if you invest in that money and then you cash out on the investment, the difference between what you put in and the difference between what you made, that's what you will pay the taxes on. So you get a 1099 every year and you have to pay the taxes on that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you invested in a traditional IRA, a pension, or a 401k, that's take, that's, that money is saved off your gross income. So you don't pay any taxes on that money up front. That grows tax deferred. And at retirement, that's when you pay taxes on that money, mm -hmm. right? Now, with your Roth IRAs, uh, per se, that's money invested with after-tax dollars. So the money out of your paycheck is already taxed. So you're investing after you pay the taxes on this money, and the federal government says, hey, you don't have to pay federal taxes on this money at 59 and a half because we, you paid income taxes on it earlier. So what happens is, depending on when you retire and what amount of income you need coming in, if you have a 30% tax bracket at retirement because of the amount of income you, you have coming in and all your money is in that tax later position, then taxes is gonna eat up the majority of your money. Wait, say that part again, say that part again. So if the majority of your money is in the tax later position, then your money is at a tax uh, liability later on. It's, it's liable to be taxed. Um, liability because we don't know what the tax uh, brackets are going to be or the, 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 the tax percentages over time. Right now, taxes are at its lowest in, in the longest time. The highest it got for the federal taxes for the highest income earners, I believe, was after World War One, was 90% federal tax. Today, the highest income earners they pay 36% in uh, federal taxes. So, if you have a, a huge income that you need coming in and you, you're, you need that money coming out of like a 401k interest, instrument where you didn't pay the taxes on it, then you're gonna have to pay the taxes based upon that tax bracket you're in. Now granted, if you're in a lower tax bracket, of course it wouldn't affect you as much, but we don't know where you're gonna be at retirement, what the, the tax right. laws are gonna be at retirement, um, the tax, tax brackets, but however, it, it pays to have some money that you don't have to pay taxes in some money in money that you didn't pay taxes in, if that okay. makes sense. Diversified. Diversified. So that way you can take a little from the tax money and a little from the non-tax money and have a, a, a larger take home pay versus taking all of it out of the needs to be tax money and most of it being ate up by tax money. Okay, that, that helps and me that a lot. That may be kind of confusing. No, it actually, like hearing it the second time around actually made more sense and then whenever you like broke it down in simple terms. Right. It actually did make sense to me a little bit more. I think I'm, I'm clearer I'm a little on bit that. more visual person. That's, that's one of those things that I'm working on is how to explain that. Um, 
all of it is hypothetical, just not for sure. Um, but E33 need to be aware of it, like for our generation with the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be really big because that large demographic was, you know, the first baby boomer turned age 65 in 2009. So from 2009 to 2029, on average, 10,000 people are turning age 65 every day that are eligible for Social Security, um, Medicare. And the only way to support those programs is through taxes. That's the way the government makes money is through taxes. Well, if you got more money going out than coming in, you the only way you make up that income is to increase taxes. One of the things that um, I've been hearing about a lot, and I guess it's just with me getting older, is like everybody's like, we're not gonna have retirement, we're not gonna have anything, so we gotta save, save, save. Um, like, I guess for someone like me, what is the best? What should I be doing right now? Someone in our age group, someone like age 25 to 35, or let's go age 20. Let's start a little bit younger. The first thing we do is come see me. Come see you. (laughs) Uh, But not develop a budget. A budget is the key to the whole thing. Tell us what a budget is, because some people can be confused about a budget. So let's talk about what exactly a budget is. A budget is a list of your expenses, Mm -hmm. and you subtract your expenses from your income. You have two types of expenses. You have a fixed expense, which would be like a car payment, your rent. So things that never change. Things that never change. Mm-hmm. And then you have your variables, grocery shopping, shopping, going out to eat, uh, utility bill. Um, things that may change. That may change. Um, so once you list your expenses, subtract it from your income. And if you have a cash flow, decide what part, how much of that cash flow you want to put towards your financial future. Now, if you don't have a cash flow, then you need to go back to your budget and figure out where from the variable expense standpoint can you cut back to make that cash flow positive? If you still can't make that cash flow positive, then you need to either look for additional income or try to get a promotion or, or increase your income somehow. Because the only way you can get ahead financially is either lower your expenses or increase your income. Okay, that's a good point because I do actually want to talk about the increasing um, income versus lowering your expenses. But before I get to that, what percentage should we be at? What percentage of our income should be should we not be spending or should we be spending? What's a... Hypothetical, you probably want to have a 20% cash flow percentage of your income, all right? So if we do the numbers on that, let's just say you make 3,000 a month. After your expenses, you want to hope to have about 600 coming in, all right? Because at that point, if you invest 10% towards your financial future, that's about $300 a month either going towards your insurance, your investments, or your emergency savings for your emergency fund. And then the other 300 would be used to, you know, do something fun for yourself because you've got to incentivize, incentive yourself. I want to. That, that don't sound right, really right. You have to reward yourself um, for being a good steward of your money. You know, you you don't want to feel bad about preparing for your financial future. You want to be able to prepare for your financial future and treat yourself at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm still trying to think of how we could have said incentivize, incentivize. I want to say incentivize. That sounds right. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Okay, so back to what we were talking about when we were talking about increasing your income and decreasing your expenses. Um, I know you said that affects your quality of life. Talk about that a little bit. So your quality of life is 
whatever your income minus your expenses. So if you spend this much and you make this much, then you got a pretty decent quality of life. Mm -hmm. But if you make this much and you spend this much, then your, your life is probably depicted on which bills you can pay on time. Mm -hmm. And if you make this much and you spend this much, then you're stressed. And kind of like I said in the seminar, the number one killer in America right now is heart disease. And heart disease, it comes from stress. Mm -hmm. And what are people stressed about? Money. Money. So the only way that you can increase your quality of life is to increase your income and or lower your expenses or both. So talk about, um, I know there were four categories, mm -hmm. um, and I know the quality of life kind of ties into what your self-worth. Tell me mm -hmm. about that a little bit, because I did like that from the seminar. Okay, so what I tell my clients and, and, and people that I come across is that we can have the best plan there is mm -hmm. uh, on exit and O's on paper. It doesn't matter what it is, it could be the best plan and solid all plan, offense and defense on your money. However, we have four types of lives that we're responsible for. We have an emotional life, we have a spiritual life, we have a physical life, and we have a financial life, mm -hmm. all right? Your physical life is basically your health and how you feel from a physical standpoint. Your emotional life is how you value yourself as well as how do you feel emotionally. Your spiritual life is your hopes and your beliefs, and your financial life is the way that you invest and manage money, save money. Most people don't have a financial problem. That's just where they've been. So I'm a real slender guy. So I just like, you know what? I need to go to the gym. I need to put on some weight. I'm gonna buy supplements. I'm gonna get gym gear. I'm gonna get protein shakes, uh, the works, right? Mm -hmm. Meal prep. However, if I don't follow through and it's not rewarding to myself, then I just punish myself financially investing in something that I wasn't committed to. Emotionally, um, most women, you know, not again, you know, I said, you know, most women <laughs> like to use, after a heartache, retail therapy. So they vent financially by going shopping. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, spiritually, if you don't have any hopes and beliefs, then you probably don't even think your financial situation will change, period. Um, but if you have a financial problem, spiritually, you're going to ask God, why am I not where I am? Emotionally, you're going to feel bad because you think you should be ahead or mm -hmm. you're trying to compare yourself to others. And more times than none, physically start to let yourself go so you gotta have that balance and be um, in that midpoint of that quad so they all tie together they do um so let's get back there was also something interesting you said there was and you put it up um, on your slideshow mm -hmm. and you talked about if you were you talked about saving first off mm -hmm. and if you're age 25 and you saved a hundred dollars a month it's what four hundred thousand if you average a nine percent rate of return Hypothetically, that's going to be somewhere around like 467000 By the time you're 65, right? 65, correct. So talk about how important it is to start saving, um, whether it's like a savings account or whether it be some other form. Okay, well, a successful retirement is 82% of time horizon. So when do you get started? Okay. Right? Then it's a 12% um, diversification is important, not having all of your eggs in one basket. And then 6% is just making sure you're not paying too much in fees. So in most cases, most people, they care more about the diversification or the fees when really the thing that they should hone in on is the 82% getting started. When should you get started? ASAP. As soon as ASAP. you start receiving an income. If you're a child and you're working, um, I don't care, at Food Lion, at mm -hmm. 16, you can start a Roth IRA because that's earned the income. Also, from that Roth IRA, you can use that for quality. Uh, you can take money out of it towards your education or first-time home buying. 
that's a quantified distribution without being penalized or punished. Uh, so you should start getting savings, start saving ASAP. Um, most investment companies allow you or insurance companies that do investments, um, the minimum most times is like $100 a month. A lot of people think that it takes a lot of money to get started towards investing, but it, it really doesn't. That's really $25 a week, $5 Monday through Friday. That's a cup of, cup of coffee from Starbucks every day. All right, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, taxes. With it being tax season right now, okay. um, you know, a lot of people get so excited about it. Oh, it's tax time. I went to tax time. I'm going to get a car. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, but you did say something interesting that made a whole lot of sense to me at your seminar about taxes. You said we should get our money up front and not worry about uh, a humongous tax return or whatever. Correct. So in certain instances, it depended on how many, um, I want to say, dependents you have that can play a factor into it, um, how aggressively you save in your 401k that can play a factor into it. Hypothetically, what happens is when you get a tax return, you overpay the government and the government says, hey, you paid us too much, here's a refund. Well, if you pay the government exactly what you're supposed to pay them, then you wouldn't have to get a refund. You either break even or a smaller refund. But how do you know? How do you know? Um, your accountant could, you know, consult with your accountant or your tax preparer and say, hey, I'm getting X amount of dollars every year on my W-2, um, excuse me, on my W-4, what do I need to claim exemption-wise to where I can get this money during the year? Mm -hmm. And what happens is, let's just say, average tax return in 2011, I think, was like 2,900. Um, that's like around an extra $233 a month you could be putting towards savings. So because you overpaid the government, you got it back at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Had you been doing, you know, getting that money during the year and investing, let's just say that 233 every month, if you had a positive return, uh, the money that you would have not paid the government would be higher than what the government would pay you. So basically what you're doing is giving the government an interest-free loan. But if you owe the government, they're gonna charge you back the interest. So um, if it makes sense, talk to your tax preparer about your exemptions and how much you should claim so that you can get your money during the year. Because what most people do is struggle year-round, get a lump sum, pay off debt. Struggle year-round, get a lump sum, pay off the debt. And that doesn't make sense to me. No, and you can get that money during those months, stay current or ahead of the debt, and um, have a better quality of life. Because the, the, the three areas where we look at of how to save or make room for money is one, cutting costs and insurance, mm -hmm. um, two, paying down debt, and three, making sure uh, people are not overpaying in taxes. Okay. So those are three areas financial planners kind of sit down with the client, their accountant, and make sure, uh, one, they're not overpaying in taxes, trying to cut down debt, and um, insurance. insurance, absolutely. Okay, so switching gears just a little bit, um, I just want to ask you a personal question, just your input on it or feedback. Okay. How do we, a lot of people, well, let me back up. A lot of people don't know about their finances, don't know what they need to be doing to put themselves in a better position, to have a better quality of life. They just don't know. And so my question is, how do we promote or increase financial literacy? Easy, Google. Um, Google. One thing that okay. I did, think about this. Mm -hmm. If you read one financial article a day, 
over the course of a year. Imagine how much smarter you would get. You've read something financially 365 times. You're going to be 365 times smarter the next year you were that year. So just looking at even just reading articles, there's always articles on 10 steps to a better savings, um, five ways for an effective budget. There's just different articles. So I would encourage people to read just one financial article a day and you will see the difference in your knowledge of, 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 of being more financially literate. Um, we no longer can say we don't know anymore because we all mm-hmm. have a smartphone. So um, I've, I've, I've done that. I still do that to kind of keep up and try to look for various strategies for myself and other people. But yeah, just one financial article a day, even if you just do it Monday through Friday. Um, reading is key. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to read. You should read, you know, good financial books. But however, if you don't have the time for the book, everybody will probably waste 15 minutes before they start their day at work anyway. <laughs> Pull up a financial article and just read it. Okay. All right, so what's next for you? What are you working on, moving into? What's, what's next for me? Oh, man. What's next for me is I want to move to, number one, to a more fee-based uh, planning platform. Um, what do you mean? Currently, I work strictly on commission now. Um, but what I want to do is be able to charge a flat fee as an advisor to to offer my services. There is an actual market for that. That's more so on the retiree side and the wealth management side. So I want to get more into wealth management, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and then two is duplication. So I'm looking for... Uh, motivate individuals that can go out and be change agents such as myself um, and duplicate myself so that we can make a, a, a better financial world um, you know you if you don't if you have a gift and you don't share it then you're kind of not really you know contributing to your to, to society so what I want to do is take what I learned and teach other people to do what I do and, and, and grow the company not necessarily I mean automatically from a revenue standpoint it will grow but if we really grow like i want to grow imagine the lives that we'll touch and the people will be in a better position so um that's that's one thing that i want to do is to duplicate myself and move to a more fee-based planning uh, platform um, to to you know to diversify my income the company's income well i think you're definitely on the right track um yeah also when i start uh, my own personal, well, not my own personal, but a hedge fund. And what I want to, what a hedge fund is basically, it's just a high yielding investment fund. You know, kind of risky, but it turns profits quickly. And I want to be able to offer it to states, companies to invest their pensions into it. Because what's happening with the pension system is people are doing away with it because people are living too long, and it's too costly for the company. So if I could. Um, Start a nice little equity fund, uh, show the proof of returns, mm-hmm. market it to states, companies to invest their pensions into it. Um, I think that will revolutionize my career, the company, help other companies out. And when the liability becomes too big for me, then I sell the whole thing. Okay. And let everybody else enjoy the root of the benefits of my uh, my accomplishments. Um, I have a goal to have a net worth of 250 million. 
in a, in a lifetime. In your lifetime. In a lifetime. Um, and, and what that would do for me is just, I just want to see if I can do it. I really don't care about the money. I just, it's just from a thing like, you know what? I did it. Right. Yeah, I don't care about the money. I just want to see if I personally can do it. I think you're on the right track. Um, I'm definitely very impressed with you. And I'm not, Thank you. I'm not saying that like in a like negative way, like, oh, I didn't think that you could do that. But I'm just saying like, you're very impressive. And the way I look at it is if, you know, God, if it ain't 250 million, I just fall short. Let's just say 30 million. That's better than anybody in my family has ever done. So wherever I fall, I'm pretty sure it'll be way better than, you know. Shoot for the sky, right? Right. Probably making other people's life easier behind me. So that's what I want to do is make sure everybody behind me's life a little easier. So I'm going to leave a legacy either way. Either way. If I die too soon, we got a huge life insurance policy. <laughs> if I live long enough and do what I'm supposed to do, I'll live a great, uh, 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 an even bigger inheritance. So either way, I'll leave a legacy. So lastly, just wrapping up with everything, for anybody that's interested in starting to invest, uh, doing retirement planning, anything like that, how do they get in contact with you? The best way to get in contact with me is you can call my business number, which is 980-259-1293, or you can email me at rsteward, that's S-T-E-W-A-R-T, at mm -hmm. Merrick, M-E-R-R-I-C-K, financial.com. Um, also, you can go on the website and you can put in your information. I can reach out to you as well at www.merrickfinancial.com. Um, Instagram, Russell Q. Stewart, um, or Merrick Financial Group, either or. Um, that's probably the best way to reach out. Facebook, anything? Facebook, Merrick Financial Group, uh, Russell Stewart, yeah. Same thing across the board. Everything's across the board. Try to keep it simple and, you know, and sane and together and which is just the birds. Everything together, you know, you know what I'm in trying sync, to say. Um, in sync. Uh, there you go. Give me another. Give me another um, one. Give me another one. Turn, I need to come on the stars. Come on the stars. I want to say like homo something something something, but I'm not okay. gonna do it. Um, in sync. It was a little fancier word that I wanted and, to use though. Everything. What's the word I'm looking for? Not congruent. That's equal. That's equal, right? That is equal though. Um. um it's bothering me. It's, we're going to get it. Hold on. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. Together. Together. In sync. Working simultaneously. Oh, no. That's, well, that's kind of like the same. How do you spell in sync? I was about to spell it like the... Uh, like the group. group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, horrible with spelling, but I'm wonderful with numbers. It's I-N and then sync. S-Y-N-K-N. No, that's the... I think it's C. This is bad. This is horrible. We're just gonna say we're gonna I try to keep everything across the board the same. Okay. Yeah. See what happens when you try to sound like eggs is smart. You really show people how smart you are and they start giving you the credit of how stupid you are. That's okay, but we surround ourselves with smartest people. All right. Right, right. Yeah. I feel like I just came down on key of okay. Yeah. It's all right. College man. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to wrap up, and I really want to thank you for sitting down and talking with me today. Thank you for I hope that we can do it again sometime. Sure, sure. Anytime you call. All right, I'll call you. All right, that's my work. Thank you. No problem.